When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. We sit here at 1 o'clock on Tuesday. I share the time because right now in what the world we're living Time is important in the context of our discussion, um, as all of us on the Husker Line team have a very busy upcoming days. I'll be in Ireland on a promotional trip over the weekend, leaving Wednesday. Abby's going to be down uh, covering Nebraska volleyball in the Sweet 16 in Houston, Texas, or excuse Austin. me, Austin, Texas. And Robin will be in Atlanta covering Nebraska basketball, playing Auburn over the weekend. So. Uh, we're all going to be away from home this weekend, and today is when we uh, decided to tape. I, ideally, we would probably have liked to have taped this show when we had some more idea of where things were at. But I, I think as we sit here, Robin, on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Central Time, we got to be specific. Yeah, we got to say that <laughs> for all of our listeners around the world. Um, you know, Nebraska is zoned in on a coordinator. I, I think when you look at where things are at. It's really three names that that have kind of emerged. Um, Mark Whipple from Pitt, mm-hmm. who had an outstanding season. Um, his quarterback picket is a finalist for the Heisman and makes around half a million a year. I think Nebraska could double that salary for him. Uh, you've got Robert Anay from Virginia and then Graham Harrell from U- USC. So, you know, as we sit here at 1 o'clock on Tuesday, those are the three candidates that we believe that Scott Frost talked to from last week all the way until Sunday. Um, here and then on Monday kind of hash things out and now I believe we're in the point where the negotiations will start and I think today Robin my read is Whipple is probably the guy that gets the first call but we'll see where that goes yeah and you got to wonder what other options he might have with a season that uh, Pittsburgh had and then obviously with the quarterback play I mean there's there's a lot of shine uh, on his stock right now so I'm sure Nebraska's uh, one of several potential uh, options on his plate right now but uh, when when you're able to double a salary and give him you know the keys to the car and the Big Ten, I mean, I, I, that's that's a big draw, I think. And so um, you know, then then you got to wonder kind of what that move will mean for the next question uh, out here is whether there's going to be a transfer quarter portal quarterback uh, and you know what direction they would go with that. But so right now you think uh, he's he's number one, and then what's kind of the pecking order? What, <sighs> you know, and since you're getting off that, I, I think Graham Harrell might be the next guy. I, I just question or wonder how that would work with his background being an air raid guy, uh-huh. and you know he is making a lot of money at USC, a highly highly compensated coach there. We know he's not going to be around at Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley's basically Graham Harrell. I mean, they're, they're like the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would his system marry into Scott Frost with the Big Ten? Um, it, it's extremely difficult to move into this league as an outside play caller um, because it's a different type of football in the Big Ten. Well, you remember, too, what Marquis Stepp had to say about that offense. He called it kind of <laughs> – I don't even know what word he used, but basically flamboyant, flamboyant and, uh, you know, not exactly the most physical brand of, of offense. And, 
uh, as we've seen what Scott Frost is trying to do, or at least tried to do this season compared to what he did in year one, uh, this offense has morphed, and they've had to make some pretty significant adjustments in just the identity they want to be offensively. And so now you're going to bring in somebody that's coming off the West Coast that's running an air raid. I mean, how's that going to work in November in State College or whatever it may be? Like, I, I, I just don't think that. I don't think the he would route. run the. I don't think he would run that full system here. I think he would have to adjust. So what's the point at that point for for both sides? His I mean, offensive mind. Yeah, and, but, but for for him, why would he want to do that? I'm yeah, sure. it just I don't. I, I agree. Um, I mean, I think at that point he might have head coaching opportunities. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get the Texas Tech job. I mean, that to me would have been the job. Right. They basically hired a high school coach over him in Texas Tech, where he's a former Texas Tech quarterback. Now the high school coach they hired is very, very good, mm-hmm. um, with great name recognition. So, um, yeah. Then in an A, I, I think when you talk about this coaching search, a lot of people wanted things to move quickly. We kind of thought that was how it was going to happen. But we also didn't know like 30 coaching jobs in college football were going to open up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also didn't know that some of the people Nebraska wanted to talk to were going to be coaching on championship Saturday. So I think there were a few things that maybe slowed this process, maybe painted a picture that things weren't going well. Right. Uh, but the reality is two of the interviews didn't happen till Sunday because guys coached on Saturday and Scott Frost flew that plane around. So I, I'm just I'll be interested to see kind of where all of this goes now with with what appears to be at least the interviews for now being done and how the negotiation process works and you know who's involved in that stuff from Nebraska with Frost and you know I can't imagine Frost is doing that directly I'm sure it's lawyers talking to lawyers or right, agents talking right. to so you know what is the number and is it realistic I mean you know we'll, we'll have to see kind of where that goes offensive line two remains an interesting one Robin mm-hmm. um, we know on Friday the Scott Frost plane was in Chicago and then it went to South Bend Indiana and we have a pretty good idea that Donovan Riola was formally interviewed by the Chicago Bears with the Chicago Bears on Friday and then the plane went to South Bend to interview Jeff Quinn a longtime well-known offensive line coach so you've got an up-and-comer versus a, vet, a big-time veteran name um, in line for that offensive line job. Yeah, and I don't think you can go wrong with either of those. If, if those are truly the two finalists for that job, I don't know if there's a bad choice. You know, obviously, uh, Quinn has a little bit more of a, of a resume to him, especially at the collegiate level. Um, has directly worked as a full-time assistant uh, with you know one of the, the better programs in the country for, for a while now. So he's a lot more of an established figure that – I think maybe checks a lot of boxes for what Nebraska needs when it comes to proven development uh, and, you know, obviously being able to recruit at that position. But with Riola, I mean, yes, he doesn't have the the college coaching chops and he's not a full-time assistant with the Bears, but he's still coaching at the NFL level. And he was runner-up for the Stanford O-line job. A lot of people thought he should have got that job. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's well thought of. I mean, he's he's one of the hotter But he hasn't names. recruited. He hasn't recruited. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying to be someone on yeah, the message exactly. board. Whatever. He's a young, energetic like, dude. Do you not like, think – okay, do you not think Donovan Riola would not be able yeah, to recruit? Put, put a Nebraska shirt on and put him in the living room. I think he'll do just like, fine. Like, do you not think that guy is going to be dedicated to be recruiting? And here's the deal, too, that's a separator. He played – he was a three-year, honorable mention, all-Big Ten center at Wisconsin. So he understands what Big Ten offensive line play is all about and what it takes to – play and develop the the to the style of play on that on the offensive line that it needs it takes to win at this level so uh i think that there's a lot of reasons to be excited about that and oh by the way 
He's got a family connection with one of the best quarterbacks in the 2020. Basically, the Trevor class. Lawrence of 2020. So there is a bit of an added that, value to that as well if you're looking long term. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, definitely. You know, you talk about Riola. If he doesn't get this job, it would be the second time he's been turned down by Nebraska as a football recruit. Mm. He was never offered by Nebraska. Crazy. Never offered by Frank Solge's staff. And then, obviously, now as a coach. So, um, and I, I do think if, if you don't take Riola, and obviously Frost continues to be the coach at Nebraska, it's going to be tough to get Dylan because I, I do get the feeling, you know, that they're pretty caught up in this and they would obviously like Donovan to be the coach too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why that hire would make sense, but at the same time, you know, if, if you go with Quinn, that's certainly that he might be their number one choice right now, just given his track record and you know what he's proven as a coach, as a recruiter and as a developer at the, the highest level of college. Yeah. My, I mean, my read today, if I were to just throw most, not most likely, but where I'm thinking it's heading for the top three jobs, mm-hmm. I think it's, Whipple, Quinn, and then probably Bill Bush. I mean, I think those are the three, Bill Bush being special teams coordinator. Um, Ricky Brunfield has been talked to and has been in dialogue with Nebraska, but I I just get the sense Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush, you know, have a really good working mm-hmm. relationship, and they could really add some energy to the Nebraska recruiting staff, just give them a jump that, you know, just giving them two elite guys that have recruited four and five star guys for their entire careers. It just makes too much sense for me. I mean, I, I guess, you know, the, the Brumfield guy has got some credentials, but, you know, Bill Bush has just as good, if not better, of a resume, and he's more of a proven recruiter, in, in my opinion. And obviously, he's a Nebraska guy. I mean, he's got connections here, wants to be here, and understands the, the challenges that go to coaching and recruiting here. So, I, Checks every box, in my opinion. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk transfer portal offers by Nebraska and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we're talking crazy December storylines but before we get to that this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill and I can tell you Robin and Abby who's going to be joining us here a little bit in the show there's not going to be a better place to be this weekend than Tanner's Sports Bar on 30th and Yankee Hill Road they are going to have Nebraska volleyball on Thursday and Saturday we're we're saying Saturday because we we think they're going to beat Illinois and and play Saturday they're going to have Nebraska basketball on Uh, it's a Earlier, um, 10.30 local time tip. Uh, they'll have that game on in there on Saturday. Um, they'll have all the NFL action this weekend as well, Army-Navy. Um, so get on in a Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Proud segment sponsor here of the Husker Online Show. Um, but, Robin, let's let's talk transfer portal because I do think that's been a big part of the December storylines and recruiting for Nebraska uh, they have made nine known offers, Robin, in the transfer portal. And what you notice on following the transfer offers is 
you see a lot of guys that had highly productive careers at the FCS or group of five level. In fact, not one of their nine offers, Robin, is to a power five player. Crazy. Yeah, and I'm looking at it right now. There's one three-star. That was that from high school that came out of high school as a three star. Yeah. So uh, a lot of guys that maybe didn't uh, get on the radar uh, their first round of recruitment, but uh, were able to play themselves up to being coveted recruits. Uh, You know, is is it the Miles Frazier kid that is absolutely blowing up right now? Yeah. I mean, he's he's I know on Friday he had 17 power five offers. That's insane. So this was a two star out of New York out of New York that ended up signing with FIU. And so now all of a sudden he's got coaches from about every power five school in his living room over the last week. Yeah, it's too bad Netflix can't do like a portal show. Like is like mm-hmm. some of these guys' stories are remarkable. I mean, you think about he played 648 snaps at FIU, graded a 78 on Pro Football Focus, um, you know, and, and now he's coveted by everybody in college football. Texas A&M has offered this guy. I mean, they have mm-hmm. access to anyone they want in Texas, and they, they offered this kid, so – um, you know, Nebraska has made offensive line an early priority in the portal, Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, there are 13 FIU players as of today, at least, that are in the portal, and Nebraska has offered three of them, two of them on the offensive line. Uh, Sunun uh, Fane, um, an offensive guard, has got a Husker offer, and then obviously Miles Frazier. So, um, and then the other guy that's really blowing up has been Hunter Norzad from Cornell. And he continues to get more and more offers. I think I just saw he got a Northwestern offer this week, too. So um, those are really their needs on the O-line. It's clear they, 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 they would like to maybe get two starters or at least one starter from the portal on the O-line. Yeah, it seems like they're going interior and uh, the tackle spots, too. So it's not like they're just trying to address one spot. And so I, I think that's good because – um, you know, it just seems like from a numbers perspective, they, they need some instant impact players. They've got some guys that have been here and haven't quite uh, developed the way that Nebraska may have hoped. And so uh, they got to get somebody in there that can push for a starting job from day one. And, you know, maybe these are the guys to do it. But if nothing else, they're at least going to give themselves some more options to work with as potential candidates. We got some breaking news here on Tuesday. Uh, Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator of Pitt, who we just talked about in our last segment here. It's 115, by the way, on Tuesday for those wondering on time, has resigned as the Pitt oh offensive boy. coordinator. Step one. So here we go, <laughs> Mark Whipple. Yeah, I mean, like you called it, he was probably the, the number one guy on their board uh, you know, through, through this process. Now that the interview's wrapped up, uh, you know, what, two days later, he's giving his resignation to, to Pitt. And so it uh, seems like the, the wheels are in motion. And, um, you know, that, I think that's the first big step that needs to happen. Mickey Joseph hiring before the OC. There was a question on our chat if we thought it was strange that, you know, they had hired a position coach before the coordinator. No, not at all, in my opinion. When you get a chance to get Mickey Joseph, just considering his ties and then his background, that's a no-brainer. Uh, so now you're able to get Mark Whipple potentially uh, into this position and, uh, let him help with the other, uh, open spots on, on the staff right now. So, I mean, I I have a feeling that with the way things are headed right now, most of, if not all of the three remaining spots will probably be announced by the end of the week. Don't you think? Yeah. It seems like this is the first domino that will fall. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's the big first thing that we needed to figure out. That's going to answer a lot of the questions we've been getting 
basically on a daily basis about what this offseason was going to hold. And uh, the OC was always the first thing that we had to figure out because that dictates where Nebraska goes at quarterback. It dictates uh, maybe the potential candidates they pursue for those other positions. And so now we have a better idea, too, of what maybe Nebraska's identity or at least uh, an idea of what it might look like next year and maybe the personnel that they're going to try to recruit to to fit that well, identity. Well, and with so many jobs open, though, it's hard to know. I mean – did Mark Whipple resign? Yeah, that's true. For LSU. Yeah, we I mean, did Brian Kelly. We got our jump to conclusions mat out right now. But I'm jumping like, all over the place. There, you know, there's a lot of jobs open, um, but I, I just think the timing of this is really interesting because I, I know Nebraska talked to him on Sunday. Yeah, and so he's not going to coach in the the Peach Bowl, obviously, uh, which. It's a big deal. The Peach Bowl is, is an awesome bowl, and you know, with the season that Pittsburgh had, uh, that's you know, he, he's got to have something pretty much already set in stone, and needed to get a jump on it going to that early signing day. So the report um, says offensive coordinator Mark Whipple resigned on Tuesday morning, according to sources close to the program. Um, this is from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. He is not expected to coach in the Peach Bowl against Michigan State. Whipple, sixty-four, was the architect of football's third highest scoring offense averaging 43 points per game in his third season with the Panthers so uh, there was another question about age you know the fact that he's 64 years old I mean obviously that's not really a you know long-term solution in a lot of ways do you you think that influences anything with this I mean you never guys coach longer now than they they have before I mean it's you look at Monty Kiffin I mean you're not bringing Mark Whipple in to be like a you know, hard to be like Mickey Joseph on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he his he's being brought in for his knowledge, his his mind. Yeah. And he's, what gonna, he he's gonna be sitting up in the the coach's box, evaluating, making calls down on the headset. Like he's not gonna be the the, the fiery D coordinator, button heads with his players as they come off the field. Yeah. So developing story here as we live tape the Husker Online show um, here shortly after one fifteen on Tuesday afternoon. Um, Robin, briefly on the portal, I do want to hit on these receivers that Nebraska is looking at. Um, a lot of guys really, really jump out to me on this group of receivers. But Tyrese Chambers averaged uh, 23.2 yards per reception on 46 catches at FIU. Not bad. Um, he's another guy that's really blowing up. And then um, Isaiah Garcia Castanda from New Mexico State. Castaneda. Castaneda. Sorry. I, as you can tell, I only got through two years of high school Spanish. But luckily, I'm married. Um, my mother-in-law is a former high school Spanish teacher, so I need to uh, brush up on my pronunciations <laughs> there. But uh, two offers made to the portal at wide receiver for Nebraska. Uh, Ryan Stapp, a defensive back, was in this weekend from College Station. So um, lots to chew on there from the portal. Yeah, with the receivers, uh, I mean, big playability jumps out to me. And uh, losing Samari Toure, he was their their go-to deep threat. And so look, clearly they're trying to find someone that can stretch the field and give them that home run type of wide receiver that can come day one, step in just like uh, Samari did, and and be that type of guy with you know Garcia Castaneda, you know fifteen point six yards per catch in his own right. Uh, Minnesota, Utah, Iowa State have already offered as well. So he is a another one of those kind of under the radar guys that that came out of nowhere and now is getting you know coveted by multiple Power Five schools. Uh, and so he and Chambers, I think, could give Nebraska. Uh, a little bit of punch on the perimeter with that receiving core. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk Nebraska basketball. The Huskers are in Atlanta for a neutral site game. We'll we'll tip off at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, so it'll be an early start. Robin's going to get us ready for that, and we'll talk more Husker Hoop storylines, including 
uh, the leave of absence taken by assistant coach Matt Abdelmasse and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Getting ready to head out to Ireland, Rob, and I'll be heading out this week, and I'll be going out again in August. And tell you what, Christmas around the corner, the holidays around the corner. Now is the perfect time, Robin, to give the gift of Ireland. And check out the website, huskers2ireland.com. It's a once-in-a-lifetime trip, unlike ever before, to go watch Nebraska football take on Northwestern in Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. In fact, on Saturday, Robin, I will be at Aviva Stadium uh, to watch a rugby match Let's in the go. European Champions Cup. Yeah, again, I expect a full scouting report, not only of the of the stadium, but more importantly of the recreational activities that we can do before and after practices when we go out there. Hey, first. and if you weren't going to Atlanta for a 10.30 a.m. basketball game on Saturday, maybe you could have been my plus one. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you could have been my plus one. But know, I, I got I to gotta cover it for the people. Um, I, I'll be covering Ireland for my people. <laughs> um, so... Check it out, Huskers to Ireland. Give the gift of Ireland to the Husker fan you know today. They have all the packages, all the different options. You can go three, five, seven, eight. You can customize the trip the way you want it, and they will lay this trip down for you, and it will be a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Well, Robin, let's get into basketball. The non-conference gauntlet continues for Nebraska. Big Ten play uh, behind us here after the Michigan and Indiana games, but Huskers will play a neutral site game in Auburn, um, kind of a post-Thanksgiving holiday weekend deal. Basically, a football season is over and ESPN needs basketball content now on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And Nebraska will kick things off against Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers. Seemingly, they'll be a heavy underdog in this game. Am I correct? I would assume so. Uh, you know, I mean, Auburn, uh, as as of recording time, is the 18th ranked team in the nation. Uh, they're seven and one. Uh, they're really good in a lot of different ways. And you know, it's a technically a neutral site game uh, at State Farm Center in Atlanta, but there's going to be an Auburn Auburn heavy crowd. I can't imagine there's going to be many Nebraska fans going out there, and it's going to you know just a short drive for Auburn fans. So it's going to be a pretty much a road game uh, for Nebraska. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I would assume that it's going to be a pretty daunting challenge for them. But, you know, the the tip time is interesting because, you know, anything can happen. It'll be 10.30 a.m. Central time when Nebraska starts that deal. And, uh, you know, they do practice in the morning. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that'll play to their advantage. But either way, uh, they, they got their work cut out for them, especially after a grind of, uh, you know, three straight high major games, including two on the road. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. And, Robin, um, I think we've learned a lot about this team. We've seen flashes of what they can be, um, but they still continue to have those lapses, those, you know, just scoreless lapses, field goal lapses, the ability to draw fouls and get to the free throw line lapses that you need to have to win these types of games. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's one clear issue, and that's perimeter shooting. Um, right now, 
They are ranked 326th nationally in three-point percentage. Uh, no, sorry, 329th now at 27.1%. I mean, they are literally one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, which to me is absolutely mind-bottling because we came into this year thinking that that was maybe the biggest upgrade Fred Hoiberg and the staff had made with their roster was revamping uh, the the just the, the three-point shooting they had on this team with bringing in Casey Tominaga, with C.J. Wiltshire, with Keon Edwards, uh, you know, Bryce McGowan's down the list. But everyone on the team, top to bottom, has struggled probably the worst they have in their entire careers from behind the arc. So maybe it's just the Nebraska curse where once you put that that Nebraska jersey on, all of a sudden you forget how to shoot. I don't know what it is, but uh, Nebraska doesn't seem like they're going to change their style of play whatsoever. And so three-pointers will continue to be a hallmark of what they do offensively. And they're just going to hope and pray that eventually all these shots that they're taking from behind the arc start to fall or at least a much higher percentage of them. And, you know, I guess there's something to be said for the way that they've adjusted otherwise. Uh, they have done a really good job of converting uh, at the rim, and they are doing a good job of getting to the free throw line and creating opportunities that way. But, uh, you know, this just hasn't been enough, especially in these last few games where, you know, in that Indiana, they scored 55 points. And it, it would, you look at that stretch – they shot just over 25% from uh, behind the arc, and they had a stretch of missing 14 straight threes. You can't beat anybody doing that, especially a good team like Indiana or any other team you're going to see in the Big Ten Conference, and especially even more on the road. What I've seen too, Robin, is the book is out on Toganama and Wiltshire, and teams just don't give those guys any air to breathe anymore. I mean, they're they're not obviously overly athletic basketball players, so – you know, people stay on them really tight and just don't let them get much air to get shots off. Yeah, especially with Tominaga. Uh, I mean, his range has uh, become a well-known deal, so he's not getting the you know wide-open looks that he did from you know thirty feet, like maybe he normally would. The South Dakota game, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> people watch the tape on that one, but with Wiltshire, it's a different story. He's not only just missing. He's missing wide open shots. I mean, against NC State, he was 0 for 7 from behind the arc. He was 1 for 4 against Indiana. So he's made one of his last 11 threes. And this is a guy that came in regarded as one of the best three-point shooters in the 2020 class. So what what happened? I don't know. Hopefully, you know, at least for, for Fred Hoiberg's sake, it's just kind of one of the deals where he's going through a little bit of a funk right now. But, uh, I mean, they, they don't have anybody shooting. They have three guys that are shooting better than 30% from three-point range on their entire team. And one of them is Kobe Webster, who's attempted just 20 shots. So uh, they need from top to bottom. It's not just Tominaga. It's not just Wiltshire. They need everybody to pick it up because that was going to be the, the real difference of this team was – they could potentially roll out five shooters in in one lineup at the floor at the same time. Well, uh, that has hardly been the case where they can't even find one or two guys to make threes consistently. All right, Robin, I want to close basketball talk here with Matt Abdelmasse, somebody obviously we've had on the show before, someone you've gotten to know really well these last three years, has stepped away uh, for a personal reason from the program. Um, this kind of knocked everybody off their feet. I mean, he's kind of the general manager, essentially, of Nebraska basketball and – his future is unknown right now. I mean, what what can you share? What can you tell us about Matt Abdelmasse and what's going on with that situation? Yeah, really, not much. Uh, it's like everyone else. Uh, you know, when that news broke, and uh, you know, Matt uh, actually texted me on on Monday morning and let me know that he was gonna uh, 
you know, have to take a, a step away for health reasons. That's where I got, you know, the, the statement that I included in my article. Um, but, you know, I, I had no, I heard nothing about it. You know, he went to Indiana. He traveled with the team uh, by all reports. You know, he, he wasn't showing any side effects of, of being sick or anything like that. And so uh, kind of came out of nowhere for everybody. Uh, and then, you know, Fred obviously addressed it with a statement uh, on Monday afternoon saying that Matt's going to take an indefinite uh, leave of absence for health-related issues. And, you know, they're, they're going to support him and wish him the best. But uh, that's about it. We don't know any details as to what he's dealing with, how long he could potentially be out, if this is something that could, you know, last for the rest of the season or maybe even beyond that. We, we just don't know. There's a lot of questions right now. And I guess the, the one silver lining is they can just put in Doc Sadler as a full-time assistant now uh, per NCAA rules starting this season. They're able to do that uh, with his special assistant to the head coach title. He can coach during games, work with guys on the, on the floor, and basically be just like a fourth assistant. So from an on-court perspective, uh, they really won't lose much. But obviously what Matt brought to the table was recruiting. And so obviously he's going to be away from the team, what is his role going to be as a recruiter right now? Is he going to be able to make recruiting calls? And uh, clearly, I don't think he's going to be going on the road anytime soon to, to see guys in person. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions about what happens with Nebraska's recruiting. Their 2022 class is in a good spot. Obviously, they're oversigned by two right now. So really, any new additions Which wouldn't come. two is not many because the, the attrition. Right. I mean, the, the numbers will work themselves out, and they'll probably have more spots to fill after the season in the spring. But you know, that with the portal world, you're constantly making calls, gauging interest, doing all that stuff, uh, working with, you know, people, you know, players, people and all that stuff. So what's his role going to be in that capacity going forward? I, that there's, that's a major question, probably bigger than anything else, as far as what his situation means to Nebraska. All right. When we come back, we're going to take some questions in the mailbag as Abby Barmore will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker online show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we continue to um, talk our way through kind of a breaking news show. We said early in the show, Mark Whipple, who we thought in segment one was the lead candidate. <laughs> well, by segment two, he resigned from his job in Pitt. And uh, we were kind of putting our mailbag segment on hold. But, Abby, we're going to let you talk to us now with questions we were trying to shelf life this show as long as we can. Uh, we now know Mark Whipple has resigned. He interviewed in Nebraska Sunday. Let's have some fun with the mailbag. What do you have? What positions need the most attention to balance out the roster? Um, I mean, you can go a lot of ways on this. I mean, now they're down two running backs. I mean, they have four running backs on the scholarship chart. Um, they need at least one more to go with what they are adding in the recruiting class. They need at least one or two quality offensive linemen. They probably need at least two quality defensive backs. They need a transfer portal quarterback. They need a kicker. They need a punter. I mean, did I just say they needed a whole football team? Yeah, I think you just put all <laughs> all twenty two right there. But yeah, yeah, I put obviously. I mean, you said quarterback is right there at the number one on your list. But after that, I think offensive line suddenly becomes pretty important, especially with the unknowns surrounding Cam Jurgens um, and what he potentially could do. Uh, next season that there needs to be a little bit more depth and proven stability there and I think that they can address that in a big way with the transfer portal you see that with some of the offers that have gone out and that's safety in my opinion uh, you, you've got Miles Farmer but after that 
you are full of inexperience and just a bunch of unproven guys that if you're able to bolster that, especially after losing two six-year guys with Dismuke and Deontay, uh, I think that would go a long way into kind of uh, you know, padding that the back end of that defense. All right, what do you have next? In your book, how does Nebraska earn an A this offseason? Um, it's going to be hard, but I think special teams has to be shored up. That, to me, played a direct factor in potentially two or three potential wins right there. Um, I, I think they got to get a quality quarterback to give them options. Uh, but then how, how they wrap up these hires. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if it's Mark Whipple, and we think it is at 1.25 p.m. on Tuesday, um, you know, that to me is a good start. Yeah. And I mean, if you get Whipple and you go get uh, one of those top offensive line coaches uh, and then you – in my opinion, get Bill Bush as your special teams coordinator, and then you go get one of the top transfer quarterbacks, that's a pretty darn good start, especially you know if you can address some of those other areas of need where you get that play, that home run hitter, wide receiver, you know, an established veteran with uh, you know good experience and leadership at safety, and then maybe some proven offensive line depth. That would take care of a lot of your issues. And then obviously, like Sean mentioned, uh, kicker, punter, and a few other places could also <laughs> use some help too. All right, we're taking questions in the mailbag with Husker Online's Evie Barmer. Are there any former in-state recruits that left Nebraska that could be tra- transferring back? Um, it's really hard to say at this point. I mean, that that can always change. I mean, I look at like Nolan Gorzica from Buffalo. He just went in the portal this week, um, an Omaha Ron Collie guy. Um, but there's just so limited number of guys that would be former in-state players like Okay, let's like play a devil's advocate. J- Javon, du- Javon Ducker was just named MVP of the MAC championship game at Northern Illinois. He's obviously very happy there. If a guy like that went into the portal, mm-hmm. he would garner Power Five offers right now. No so question. It would, you know, and I'm sure over time that might be on his mind. Yeah, and so I mean, I know that there's been a couple names that we've got at least some some answers to. Caden Helms reaffirmed his commitment to Oklahoma despite that coaching change, but. I mean, a guy like Devin Jackson, he's probably not coming back. I know he kind of expressed some concern about Oregon's coaching situation. I, I can't imagine that would be one, Sean. Yeah, there's, there's Devin Jackson's going to stick with Oregon. I think Deshaun Woods, obviously Missouri bound. I don't see any of these guys that committed right now, like for this year, really switching. It's so late in the game. Right. A lot of these kids that commit early, they want to enroll early. So, the, I mean, how much time do you really have to like? disrupt and change your whole path in a matter of a week or two yeah especially when you've probably already got everything going with you know getting you know registered for classes and getting your off-season training going and all that stuff so yeah i i don't know i don't know if there's a lot of names out there but yeah man i didn't even think about him ducker went in the portal i mean he would be like top priority for nebraska he'd be one he'd be a big 10 like a guy like that and once again like great family i've actually known his mom for a really long time um, his brother originally started at prep and went to Bellevue West and had a great career there, played at South Dakota, finished at Wayne State. You know, guys like that, though, when they go on the portal, they're going to get – I mean, he would he would get Big Ten offers. Yeah. I, I mean, but Dan Jackson, if you're listening, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> like I pr- don't want to bring that guy out of there. But uh, the portal's an interesting thing. It's changed the game of college football. All right, what's next, Abby? Adrian Martinez entered the transfer portal, and Nebraska's in the market for a transfer quarterback. Do you think the Huskers' current backup, Logan Smothers, will start next year or the transfer portal quarterback that they could get? Um, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I do think they're going to get a transfer portal quarterback. I mean, I think they've sat down with Smothers and Harburg and told them both, like, hey, um, you know, we're going to bring someone else in to compete. 
and they're pretty upfront and honest. But both those guys are really young players. I mean, they both have a lot of time left. This cycle that Nebraska's been on of starting freshman quarterback and then starting another freshman, it's not a healthy cycle. No. Like They need to kind of rebalance their quarterback approach to have veterans replacing veterans. To where you're not locking yourself into a four-year, <laughs> five-year starter uh, or constantly re re tooling freshman after freshman so yeah i agree uh but right now um i guess we'll see what who they end up getting as that transfer quarterback but i find it hard to believe that if they bring somebody in especially with a new uh, offensive coaching staff that they don't want that quarterback to be the guy and then it's going to be you know up to, to smothers and harburg to unseat him going forward all right what do you got next abby robin what is nebraska basketball's record if they shoot 40 percent from the th- three-point range this season yeah that that number has been hard to come by early on mm-hmm. but you just look at this season uh they beat western illinois handily uh they, they lost that game by one they probably win by double digits if they shoot closer to to 40 percent the the creighton game and the indiana game those probably would have been down to the wire but they beat western illinois and they beat NC State. And so I think at minimum, if they shoot like the team that they're supposed to be and that Fred Hoiberg said that they were going to be, uh, they're 7-2 and two at, bare, at bare minimum right now. All right, what's next? In light of the Heisman finalists being announced on Monday, who do you think is the best college football player in the country? You know, I'm a voter on the Heisman and have been since 2009. And I was like, man, going into the last two weeks, I'm like, who am I going to vote for? And then I really think – Bryce Young, just the way he played against Auburn and then the way he played against Georgia, when you consider the competition and his numbers, it's going to be a landslide. I honestly don't know how you could give Hutchinson, Stroud, or Pickett your first place vote over the, over Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's the quarterback and quarterback for the number one team. But like, his stats, not I only mean, just – he's got I mean, the stats. I mean, it's kind of a These aren't like game like, manager stats. I but mean, in my opinion, I – I personally think Hutchinson just because he did it all year long and he was an absolute force to end the year. I mean, he, he disrupted Ohio state's offense. He disrupted that entire big 10 championship game. And so you would have, he was not quite Sue 2009, but I mean, it was nearing that territory. No. And I can't officially disclose my vote. um, So I have to be careful. We like the Heisman's really strict about like, you cannot share your vote until after the ceremony. Um, But you know, you can talk big picture about these guys and whatnot. And I, I think the better discussion will be, will Hutchinson have the most votes of a defensive player? Will he get more votes than Indomitian Sue, which would be criminal yes. because Indomitian <laughs> Sue is better. But I mean, like I said, he is not at Sue 2009 territory yet, but he's pretty close. All right, Abby, uh, we have time for one more. With Adrian Martinez enter- entering the transfer portal, what is your favorite Martinez play or game? Um, You know, my... I mean, there's a lot of moments and plays that he had. You know, I hate. I'll say his last throw, you know, with a torn labrum, facing fourth and whatever, and he pulls an RPO out of the running back, and sidearm slings like a 30, 40 yard pass to Austin Allen at Wisconsin against one of the nation's top defenses. I mean, that's Adrian Martinez in a nutshell. Um, he can make the hard things look. Easy and the easy things sometimes look hard, but um, I will say my favorite moment uh, overall game was his freshman year when he beat a really good Michigan State game team nine to six, and it was a different kind of game. I mean, it was a backyard street brawl, and mm-hmm. 
they had to like adjust what they could do because you couldn't even throw the football five yards down the field in that game. Um, and, and he engineered Nebraska to, I mean, arguably the best win of Scott Frost's four years. The game that always sticks out to me, and it really was kind of insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but uh, 2018, uh, the Illinois game, where Adrian lit him up. for They put up 54 points. He had 290 yards passing, uh, 55 yards rushing, and four total touchdowns. It was 24 of 34 through the air. And just the way that he just diced up Illinois' that Tampa 2 defense, where they just he just pick apart the middle of the field, I – you know, I go back to when they started Luke McCaffrey over him against Illinois in 2020. It just baffled my mind because he's he was fit to beat that that style of defense, and uh, that game just kind of personified just the the high end of what Adrian Martinez could be and what this offense could be when they put up almost 600 yards and 54 points. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk and more. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. This is HuskerOnline.com. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show final segment. It's been an interesting show. As we said, we're all going to be traveling this weekend between Rob and Abby and I and uh, taping here on Tuesday afternoon. And lo and behold, all the news decided to break in the middle of our show taping. Um, but you know, what we know now, at least of around 2 o'clock on Tuesday, is that Pittsburgh's Mark Whipple, who Nebraska reportedly interviewed on Sunday, he coached in the ACC title game on Saturday as the Panthers came away victorious against Wake Forest, interviewed with Scott Frost. And today, on Tuesday, uh, he has officially resigned. Um, no reasons given why. It came very abrupt. Uh, he will not coach in the Peach Bowl um, for, for Pitt. He will also not uh, more than likely be a part of all the Heisman festivities this week, is my guess, um, with his quarterback that he engineered to this great season, Kyle Pickett. So, uh, to learn more about Whipple, to more learn more about the situation on the ground in Pitt, I thought I'd bring in the best guy out there you can find. Uh, let's bring in Chris Peak from PantherLair.com, longtime colleague, friend of mine, uh, probably going on 20 years. Chris, it's great to have you on the show. Appreciate the time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Sean. This has definitely been an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes. Here you guys are having an historic season at Pitt, a Heisman finalist, a New Year's Six Bowl, an ACC title. I mean, this is, in better terms, almost a national championship-type year for Pitt right now for what they have accomplished this year. And all of a sudden, your coordinator abruptly resigns. Nobody clearly knew that he interviewed on Sunday with Nebraska. Um, but you kind of – we talked off air, and you kind of connected a few dots that made sense of how and when and where this interview may have taken place. Yeah, it's, it's always funny when we uh, have to break out the flight trackers and whatnot uh, and start start tracking, uh, you know, tail wing numbers and, and flight paths and whatnot. But, I mean, it, yeah, it, it wasn't surprising. I mean, there had been rumors about Whipple, uh, who's getting older, uh, you know, and, and I think was nearing the end of his career. There were, you know, rumors kind of throughout the season that this would be his last year, particularly when the year was so good for Pitt, you know, and they ended up with one of the best offenses in the country and, like you mentioned, a Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, potential and probably likely Boletnikoff Award winner and all this kind of thing, there were rumors that he was going to go out on a high note and, and hang it up, and that was sort of, I think, what we expected. But then for this to come out now like this, you know, Monday night he was in Arizona visiting with Florida State transfer quarterback Chubba Purdy, right, which is pretty, you know, that's, that's a, a natural move. Offensive coordinator goes out and tries to get a quarterback 
transfer. And then Tuesday morning this comes out that he resigns from Pitt. It, it, it doesn't make sense. And then to take himself out of the bowl game as well, to not coach in the Peach Bowl. I mean, we're not talking about when Pitt went to the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit two years ago. This is a New Year's Six Bowl. This is a premier bowl after an ACC championship. This is the rewards you get. And then to fail – uh, and not even coach that, to not, like you said, to be involved in the Heisman Trophy ceremony with, with Kenny Pickett on Monday night. It just, you know, nothing really lines up. And then, you know, as we kind of connected there, that there was a, you know, maybe a flight to Arizona from Lincoln. Uh, it's sort of it's an amazing coincidence if it's not where it appears to be. So, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's a lot of details to sort of be sorted out here. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of Pitt fans didn't expect Whipple to be back next year, but I think they also really didn't expect him to be, coaching Nebraska. So I'm not really sure uh, exactly how they got to this point. We're talking here to Chris Peak of PantherLair.com. And, you know, you know Pat Narduzzi. I was around him in the Big Ten when he was at Michigan State. He strikes me as a guy that if he found this information out, that an interview like this took place on Sunday, um, and, you know, then in local news reports out here on our side and in the papers, his name started appearing on Tuesday morning, Monday night late. I'm guessing Pat Narduzzi is not a guy that would say, hey, that's awesome, congrats. Yeah, I would have to think that he would, you know, if it was sort of talked about and arranged and understood ahead of time, maybe he'd have a measured reaction to it. But, I mean, ultimately, you're going from one, you know, if Mark Whipple makes this move, it's from one Power 5 job to another. And and say what we want about ACC, Big Ten, Pitt, or Nebraska – it's one Power 5 offensive coordinator job to another. Nebraska might be paying more, but Whipple, you would think, is to some extent with his career, with what he's done, and, you know, he's been a head coach, he's been in the NFL, he's been in a lot of places. I don't know if, you know, if guys at this stage of their career, if money is necessarily the main motivating factor. So if, if it was sort of sprung on Narduzzi that, hey, this is happening or this is potentially going to happen, I could see him having a negative reaction to that and, and maybe saying, well, you know what, if that's what you intend to do, then, you know, <laughs> via con Dios, as they say. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Narduzzi had that reaction. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we as we talk with Chris Peek. Well, let, let's talk about Mark Whipple and, and if he is at Nebraska. I mean, what, what did he do this year? I mean, Pitt, especially under a defensive-minded, former elite defensive coordinator and Narduzzi head coach, not known for offense, and he really – you know, rewrote the script. I mean, if I, told, if I told you five years ago Pitt would have a quarterback in New York for the Heisman um, and be known for their offense, I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. What did he do to kind of get this offense going the last year or two? Um, I mean, this year it was really – it was the play of Kenny Pickett, and, and Mark Whipple had a big hand in that in developing Pickett. Uh, you know, he's a fifth-year senior, a guy who played as a freshman, and so he ended up – I mean, technically he came back as a super senior this year, but it was his fifth year – it was his third year working with Whipple, his third year in this offense and learning this system. And, and I think Kenny Pickett took a big step forward in his play. And a lot of that development, um, you know, the credit for that goes to Mark Whipple for his work with Pickett. The thing with the Whipple offense is, it, first of all, it's pass heavy. Um, you know, this year they have some really good running backs on this team and they still threw the ball like crazy. You don't get Pickett's stats with 40 passing touchdowns and more than 4,000 yards if you're not throwing the ball a lot. But that's been Mark Whipple's M.O. all over the place. I'm sure as you guys dig into it, you'll look back at his time at UMass, and they were throwing the ball constantly. And and the thing he does is you'll never accuse Mark Whipple of not getting the ball to his playmakers. 
Uh, his first season in 2019, Maurice French set the pit record for receptions in a season. Um, last year, obviously, it was a COVID-shortened season, but Jordan Addison caught the ball about 60 times in like nine games or something like that. There's just a ton of targets. You go back and look at Mark Whipple's time at UMass, Andy Isabella, I mean, you're talking 120, 130 targets in a season. Uh, you know, it's just crazy high production level. And he's also uh, loves to involve the tight end as well. Adam Brenneman was his tight end at, at um, UMass, and he got him the ball a, a ton. Mark Whipple, like I say, he'll never be accused of not getting the ball to his playmakers. He, he throws to them constantly, calls plays for guys to get the ball in their hands, um, and, and then sort of tailors it to what they do well. If, if his best receiver is a guy who can get down the field, then they're going to take shots. If his best receiver kind of operates a little bit better in space, they're going to run screens and try and hit him with quick stuff to let him make a move and make a guy miss and, and take off. Uh, Pitt fans at certain points felt like they needed to run the ball more, that they weren't committed enough to the run, and that was to the detriment of the offense. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's just sort of Whipple's philosophy is he wants he wants to throw the ball. And this year it made sense because Kenny Pickett was the best player on the team. Jordan Addison, uh, you know, a Bletnikoff finalist, is the best receiver on the team, maybe the best receiver in the ACC. So what do you do? You throw the ball to that guy a lot, and you let him go out and score 17 touchdowns this season. Uh, and so it, it's an effective approach, not necessarily a balanced approach, um, but it's it's certainly when you have a, a a quarterback like Pitt had this year in Kenny Pickett it, it, and and a receiver like Jordan Addison, it can be you can put up a lot of points and put up a lot of yards and, and win a lot of games. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we wrap things up with Chris Peak. Um, you know, where, where, does Pitt probably if he is I mean, obviously he's already leaving Pitt? Does Pitt more than likely just promote from within, or do you think they'll try to uh, bring in a whole new OC out at Pitt now? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a good question. I think at least for the, the Peach Bowl uh, against Michigan State on December 30th, I think they'll they'll have an interim play caller. Uh, maybe Brennan Marion, the wide receivers coach, who's, uh, you know, gotten a lot of acclaim as a rising star in the coaching industry, might might take that job. We'll see what happens there. But, you know, I think Narduzzi looks outside and, and goes to find someone new. This will be his, geez, I've, I've lost count by now. He had Jim Chaney, uh, you know, he had Matt Canada, he had Sean Watson, he had Mark Whipple. So this will be his fifth offensive coordinator uh, since he was hired in 2015. So it's almost like a spinal tap drummer thing over here with Pitt's offensive coordinators. Uh, and, and to some extent, it's remarkable that Whipple lasted three years because usually guys, guys only go after one or two. But I, I think, um, you know, he's always got, you know, good coaches always have sort of that list of candidates in their back pocket. And I, I think he'll dig into that again and, and see what he can find. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, all the time here, Chris. I know uh, you're busy trying to stay on top of this story, but uh, appreciate the insight uh, you brought to the table here on the potential of Mark Whipple joining Nebraska. All right. Thanks a lot, Sean. All right. Well, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. As you said, we're taping on Tuesday. Obviously, a lot of this story is going to keep developing here throughout the week, uh, but Robin will be in Atlanta. Abby will be down in Texas covering Sweet 16 for volleyball. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.